Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Gimme Dilute podcast, the TTRPG actual play podcast that will learn its lesson one day about looking at file sizes before making comments on deadlines. My name is Turner, and I will be your host for the intro to this bonus episode. Just doing intro announcements on this one since it's a little bit extra. So a little bit of a good news, good news, bad news situation just off the top. Uh, one, as promised, here's the Zweet A prequel this week. Two, turns out it's pretty close to the length of a full episode. So good news, good news. Bad news is I didn't realize that this was going to end up being the length of a full episode until I started to go in and edit it, which meant it ended up being a little bit more of an editing project. So no big deal. Still going to come out with a campaign episode next week. It will be a little bit later in the week, probably because this one turned out to be an hour instead of 15 minutes. But hey, you take the good with the good. Do you want to highlight the content warning at the top, even though there's certainly nothing in this episode that wouldn't appear in one of our other episodes? The tone regarding some of the combat and some of the gore is a little bit different, which gives it just a little bit of a different note that I wanted to point out. Again, that Gimme Dilute and all its content, bonus or otherwise, is not a family-friendly show due to a mix of profanity, crude humor, violence, and gore. With a special content warning on this one regarding massive bodily injury and loss of body parts. Again, not anything you wouldn't have heard on our show regularly, but the tone just made it hit a little bit different, so I wanted to call it out. If you're a new listener, welcome. This is the prequel episode for the nemesis of the feature character for this arc, Babatunde. So it provides context to something you haven't listened to. So yeah, go back and listen to the arc with now with context. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Thank you for joining us. As always, we appreciate you making time for us in your ear holes. And of course, a special thank you to our patrons, without whose donations to the show, none of this would be possible. Or it would be possible, but we'd probably still be all recording on headsets in Discord. And I mean, you heard those first couple episodes. And not to step on Eldrin's bit, but did you know we stream Mondays on twitch.tv forward slash GMDLcast at 730 Central Standard Time? I mean, some of you must not know, because many, many more of you listen to this than actually show up and hang out on the stream. So we're, we're not we're not sure why you don't love us, but we, we'd feel a lot better if you did. This coming Monday, we'll be interviewing Linda Codega, the games journalist who broke the OGL kerfuffle. Well, didn't break the kerfuffle, but broke the story that fired off the kerfuffle, which turned into a whole hoo-hurrah and, you know, even maybe a little bit of a ballyhoo and ultimately ended up with a mea culpa and more than a little schadenfreude. So, yeah, check that out. We don't do like game sessions very much. We'll occasionally have another podcast on to fight and we've got some video game inspired content that we'll probably be working into the stream this year. I mean, I didn't write D&D, Fortnite, and Mario Kart rules for nothing. So it's fun stuff. It's a little bit different than what you get in the feed and highly recommend that you go check it out. So anyway, on that note, as always, thank you for joining us. Hope you enjoy the show. So I think, uh, I guess my question is, how much younger is Zwide? Is that how we're pronouncing your guys? Yeah, Zwide. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Zwide. Have you, have you all said, don't try to say it correctly? No, no, no. Please. There is no correct way. Well, I will. I'm. Well, however, I, I guarantee you, I will say it the wrong way. Is, is it Zweed? Is it Zweeday or Zweeda? Well, how how would he say it? It's, it's not that you 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 saying it, yeah Zweeday Zweeday. Right. How much younger is Zweeday than Baba? Uh, probably 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 only maybe three four years. Okay. And is same clan or neighboring clan? Uh, neighboring clan. Okay. So, you know, we never really have established what Baba's clan's main focus was, but we've got the opportunity now to, to pick Zuide's and then Baba doesn't get to pick that. <laughs> so, uh, Zuide, what would be his clan's 
primary focus? Would it be farming? Would it be herding? Would it be mining, metallurgy, elemental magics, uh, river trade, fishing? Because think of, not to do like full-blown Black Panther, Mount Wundagore, or nope, Wundagore is, anyway, the northeastern chunk of the Verdant that's controlled by the Tabaxi clans that, uh, that Baba's tribe comes from, our society comes from, has a large mountain in the center of it, which is much like the rest of the Verdant, extremely rich in in resources. The jungle and the areas surrounding that mountain, the foothills of that mountain, the clans tend to be more agriculturally oriented or hunting oriented. Um, The clans that live on the mountainside would more than likely herd alpaca or any kind of of mountain goat. There's the coastal sea tribes that would be more trade oriented and fish sea fishing. There's the river tribes that would be more associated with harvesting the river and trade up and down into the intercontinent. There's the uh, the one tribe that operates very specifically the Cave of Ancestors, and then there's the tribe that actually works the inside of the mountain, even though this is the mountain that has the Cave of Ancestors in it, which is where the Oba goes to form the bond with the Ancestor Stone. The, the mountain itself is still mined and treated like a mountain. Like, it's, you know, it's not like it's, oh, this is holy ground. It. It's like, oh, yeah, man, there's this magic shit over here. But hey, did you notice all that adamantium over there? We're going to go fucking adamantite. We're going to go mine the shit out of that. And then you would have a, a clan that works it. So what, what do you feel like Zwede's tribes or clans? I'm sorry. What, what vibe are we picking up for him? Uh, so you say the, the hunters are on which side of the mountain? It'd be Western and Southern. Okay. So, I mean, it's kind of, I'd, I'd probably say probably mainly, mainly hunters, but some, with some, maybe, I mean, I don't know, the mix of herding. The herders are on a different side though. Yeah, no, you'd have, you'd have your alpacas actually up on the side of the mountain. What you would have is you would have, in addition to the hunting, they would um, have some domesticated livestock, probably not like a traditional American cattle, but probably more like a water buffalo-esque type of like musk ox kind of situation. Gotcha. Kind of a long-haired, long-haired, shaggy bovine that originally... That was the focus of the clan, probably. But then in defending that, you guys developed more of a kind of martial aptitude, and that caused you to range out a little bit further. And so that's how you picked up a, a little bit of mix of both, is in defending the herds, not migratory herds. I would think that the guys that are working the alpacas on the mountain probably migrate around the mountain. Right. You guys are a little bit more stationary and have a little bit more well-defined, uh, well-defined area. So that's going to be on the western side. So, okay. Okay. So we're going to open up then with a tween Zuide and a young teenage Baba drilling with one of the uh, the battle masters in the shadow of the mountain. Something that not like a mandatory military service, but more like a martial summer camp that all the uh, all the tribes send their kids to. Because while the uh, the tribes that aren't necessarily hunting oriented may not go out into the uh, out into the verdant as frequently and encounter monsters. I mean, look, the, the verdant, what makes it so rich is these elemental incursions. And so every place is a little bit dangerous. So okay. that's that's the context of the scene as we set it up here. So All right. and Zwede like Zwede's always been a little on the small side. Okay. Low little, little weak little weaker uh, than some of the uh, some of the others uh, his age. Okay. And and definitely older. So we open up with the sun peeking through the clouds on a unseasonably brisk spring morning. As the the rays cast through the the mists that drift down off of the mountain in the early mornings, 
they cascade and, and take on a little bit of a golden hue, almost like golden raindrops now are falling down on a field of figures arrayed in pairs. You know, about 30 figures that we see paired off, 15 groups of two, lined up in three rows of five, almost as if uh, they were uh, uh, getting ready to march in formation. They stand facing each other, and as we, uh, as we zoom in from above, we see them dancing back and forth almost. And then as we, as we get a little bit tighter, we realize that they're not dancing, that they're, they're sparring. This is the lithe dance and strike and evade and parry and thrust of a group of tabaxi youths learning the traditional yikola and shield fighting style that is so common to the, uh, the tribe and the clans in this area. And every clan has a little bit of their own variation on it. Some of the fishing clans favor a net as their defensive weapon. Certainly more than a few of the mountain clans are very fond of the bow or a, a flung spear, but everybody learns this basic Yikola and shield fighting style as the core of the, the overall tribe's military identity. And in moments when the Oba calls the tribe together, it's very important that they have a shared combat language for maneuvers and for collaborative efforts. So when they're young, but, or b- before their rights of adulthood, um, every spring, the tribe sends the youths that are on the, uh, on the edge, you know, in that late tweens, early teens range to, uh, to the different battle masters of the different clans to drill for a week or two and, and pair off and fight against each other. And this is where a lot of lifelong friendships and lifelong rivalries are born. Um, it is a rambunctious time. Uh, it's an adventurous time. It's the first time that some of these kids have been away from home. It's got a little bit of a summer camp vibe, but also a little bit of a, a military basic training tribe as well. A weathered tabaxi with a deep black fur that has graying spots shining through stands on a raised platform overlooking the crowd of youths below as they spar. Occasionally, he will wrap his yikola down. It will echo across the field as if a gun has been fired, and that's everybody's signal to, to take a break and begin. But it's not time for that break yet, as the uh, youths are just now lining up for another, uh, another match. And we zoom in even tighter on a pair starting to square each other up. One of them strikes a very familiar form. If you were a, a listener of a certain D&D podcast, you might recognize a certain tabaxi from the adventures of the Pentagoons. But this is a younger version of Baba, uh, Baba Tunde. Um, it hasn't put on quite the dense bulk of his muscle that he'll develop into years later. This is a probably a 14 or 15-year-old Baba. The youth he squares off against cuts a extremely different figure, Zuide. If a viewer was looking down on this this conflict on high, what, what who would they see squaring off against uh, against Baba? A small, spry-faced Tabashi, Zuide. Very young. His coat is a shiny black with silvery white stripes, akin to a tiger. Zuide is lean not muscular by any stretch, and probably stands a foot shorter or so than Baba. There's a loud rap, and you hear the instructor shout, 
begin in the ceremonial language of the Tabashi. Zuide, roll initiative real quick. Let's see. Let's see who goes first. You are or or Baba. Hmm. Okay. Baba gets a nat one. Zuide gets a five. Okay. So uh, Baba, this is not his first uh, rodeo and probably came into this a little bit overconfident and is shocked by Zuide's speed a little bit. Zuide, give me a, uh, a quick roll to hit. 12. Okay. You step in and lash out with your Yikula and Baba is able to just, just barely bring his shield up in time, but he doesn't have it angled right. Again, he's miscalculated your speed and it actually, you actually push the Yikula up a little bit and it clips his nose and you see him reel back. And there's a little bit of a gasp and and some of the, the fighting going on around you stops. You guys are fighting with blunted Yikulas uh, and it's very, very, very rare for blood to be drawn on the field. And some of the older kids, you can see kind of square up a bit, a little bit excited in, in that somewhat predatory way that kids will be like, oh, there's going to be a fight. That little kid's going to get his ass kicked. Baba's going to show him what for. And you see Baba square himself back up, draw a hand across his his snout and flick away the blood and then bring his, his yikola and shield up in almost a form of a salute and bow, acknowledging one, his folly for misunderestimating your speed, but uh, but also giving you the respect for for catching him off guard. I have been practicing, Baba. You, you didn't know I was as fast as I was, did you? He, he bows even deeper and... Come on, Baba. You think always because I am smaller than you that you can beat me because it has always been the case. But not this day. This day I will show you what I have learned on my own. You have taught me much, but not everything. Prepare yourself, Baba. Your nose will not be the only thing that bleeds today. The the laughs that had kind of accompanied your and Baba's interaction die down a little bit as they see the sincerity in your statement and that amusement that some of your peers had might have originally seen turns to respect in a lot of instances and they go back to their sparring match and Baba squares up against you a little bit more squarely this time, a little bit more seriously. Not like he's been holding back, but like he definitely hadn't been taking you as a threat, and now he clearly is, and the sparring match begins again. We jump forward. It is a couple years later, and our combatants now appear to be compatriots. They are moving through the jungle, clearly stalking their prey, and where previously Baba uh, on the on the sparring session, Baba seemed to be have the advantage. Now out in the jungles on the hunt, Zuide seems to be almost taking the lead a little bit. Zuide, walk me through, lead Baba on a hunt for me. You're definitely, I think, showing off for Baba a little bit now because um, you know he has excelled in the pilgrim trials. He is held up by his clan, you know, which is one of the smaller clans, definitely less influential in the overall tribe. But Baba, in a lot of ways, is held up as an exemplar of Tabashi ideals. And now he's on your turf, and you might be taking him through his paces a little bit. Nah, I want you to listen close, Baba. Many think that the hunt is about the nose, about the agility, about the ability to track. And that is true to a degree. However, the most important thing 
one can have on their own is the mind. That is what we possess over our brain. You see, they operate on pure instinct. We operate on strategy. And I, being the mastermind that you know, have supreme strategy when it comes to the hunt. So Baba, I want you to follow my lead. I want you to be quiet and watch as I perform. Yes, it is a performance. Do not think otherwise. Now, come. Give me a survival check real quick. 14. 14. Now, you're able to pick up the tracks of one of the wild gunder beasts that uh, wander through the jungles uh, right outside of your villages. Basically, think of a ridged, spiny-backed wild boar. Particularly vicious, problematic, because not only will they root up crops and, and uh, damage grazing land, but they are carnivorous. They're also goddamn delicious. <laughs> and so there's a number of reasons to hunt these things. You very quickly spot out the tracks and begin leading Baba on this hunt. Give me a stealth check real quick now. Give me, give me a quick d20 roll on stealth and let's see how good you are at uh, stealth. Ooh. <clears throat> what, what is that? A two. I'm blaming Baba. A two. Let's see, let's see how Baba's doing on stealth. Ooh, a 15. So you guys uh, start to approach the edge of a clearing. And I think Zuide, again, probably kind of showing off a little bit. So instead of creeping through the ground, you've taken up to the trees and you spot your quarry snorfling and, and gruffling through a patch of sage grass in this little clearing in the jungle. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fist, I'm going to fist Baba. Okay. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I, all right. It's, I didn't realize <laughs> that it got, the relationship had gone that far, but all right. Okay. I mean, I'm going to hold up, I'm going to hold up the fist okay. <laughs> to get Baba to stop in his tracks. Okay. That's what I mean. And he does, as you do that, the branch underneath you breaks and gives way and you go tumbling down into the mud with a large scorch. The, the prey scampers around and immediately begins to charge. Give me a dexterity saving throw real quick. 14. You are able to roll out of the way, no problem. You know, it's actually a pretty pretty slick move. You do a kip up, but then also take your yikula and lever yourself over so that you arc up over the quarry and land in a cat-like, uh, well, I'm sorry, a tabashi-like pose behind it and as you look over your shoulder to see whether or not Baba is impressed by your move. Uh, let's do a quick dexterity save for Baba. You see him get slammed in the chest by this thing and pushed up against the tree, but he takes that opportunity to grapple it and he wraps his head around it and begins squeezing. What does Zuide do as he sees Baba search, appearing to be almost choking out this spiny hog, its back bristles piercing into his forearms its tusks striving to get up in there and disembowel him. Uh, Suide, believing that he's about to be shown up by Baba, races up and attempts to pierce the creature's heart with his, with his uh, yikula. Give me a quick roll to hit. 17. You bring your yikula down uh, just right in the perfect spot in between the shoulder blade and the rib cage through the tense corded muscle and the uh, extremely succulent back fat and just pierce its heart and it shudders and falls down. As you meet Baba's eyes, what's Zwide's expectation for, for Baba's reaction in this moment? Look up on Zwide with adulation. So when you when you see disappointment reflected back at you, how does that make Zwide feel? Uh, 
that was all part of my strategy, Baba. I wanted to draw the beast to us. I wanted to see how you could handle yourself before I reacted. There, what you don't understand is you thought that you had the beast where you wanted it, but it had you. Had I not pierced his heart, you would be dead right there. Baba simply shakes his head and walks away from the kill, which culturally is, is a little bit of a slap in the face. Of course, of course this is what you do. You cannot admit it to yourself, Baba. You cannot admit it. I have shown you the way. Go on, go back. Tell them that Zwide is the ultimate hunter. We skip forward another set of years, and now it's the fall equinox, a time of reflection and harvest and communal gathering as a round of pilgrims are selected to journey past the borders, to go out into the strange, wild world of Arnosia, quest for a year, and return home to undergo the trials, to be the next Oba, to be the protector of the clans, the leader of the clans, the person that people will turn to because they know they are the wisdom and the heart of the Tabashi of the Verdant. Baba stands cutting the character that a listener of a certain podcast might be much more familiar with. Reserved, somewhat stoic, but not prideful, not boastful, just resolute. Being Oba means different things to different clans, different things to different people. And Baba's clan is um, is respected, but somewhat often ignored. As the group of pilgrims stand, he's definitely more towards the back. But up at the front row, fully expecting to be picked, we find Zwide. Zwide, what are, what are your thoughts in that moment as you get ready to be selected as the pilgrim that year? Zwide swells with pride. He knows that this is his time. He's worked harder than he's ever worked to reach this point, to represent. And all he, all he can do is daydream about the glory to come as he waits to hear his name called. The selection goes much as a lot of people expect. And we are down to really the last two pilgrims to be selected, your clan and Baba's. You hear the elder up on the stage lean forward and go, from Clan Agu, we select Babatunde. Babatunde, do you accept this responsibility to go into the world, learn of the dangers and wonders of Arnosia, and bring yourself home in order to bring a greater wisdom to the tribe? Baba steps forward, walking past you, making eye contact, giving you a slight nod that is both acknowledgement and a recognition of the distance that's grown between you since that day in the jungle. Bows his head to the elder, accept the responsibility, and then heads south into the jungle. Uh, what's Zwide's clan name? What's, what would Zwide's um, clan name be? Clan Amabuto. He takes his surname from, from his clan. You see the elder stand forward and go, from clan Amabuto, we select. And he looks at you for a moment makes eye contact and just gives you a slight shake. Vindel, step forward. And Vindel steps forward and leans his head down and accepts the responsibility and heads off, leaving you standing there with the remaining rejects. The other, the other 
members of the tribe that weren't deemed worthy of this honor. This is this 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 cannot be. I have worked too hard to be overlooked, to be rejected in this way. How could they not choose me? I am the best candidate. It is clear. There must be some mistake. I, I must speak with the elder. You, you catch him as he's shuffling down from the stage and he, he looks over to you and goes, Ah, Zuide, I had hoped that this conversation wouldn't happen, but I fear I expected it. What uh, what can I do for you? Why, Elder? Tell me. I know that I am not the strongest. I know that I am not the, uh, the largest or the fastest. But I am the smartest. My mind is superior. That alone should have granted that I would be the selection. Tell me, Elder, why has this choice been made? Swede, you have answered the question yourself. You are very, very, very clever, Swede. You are very, very, very proud. And, Swede, you are weak. And in that moment, you don't catch that he's talking about more than just physicality. It comes across as a comment on your physique and a comment on your form. But in hindsight, years later, in a moment, you'll realize that he might have meant something else. But that doesn't resonate now. Now all Zwide hears is the word weak. Then tell me, Elder, what do I do now? Well, Zwide, you watch, you learn, and you grow wise as well as clever. And then perhaps another turning of the seasons will come for you. And now we roll forward in time again, and we are approaching the year, and the pilgrims have all begun to trickle in. But Baba has not returned. There's quite a bit of tumult about this, and consultation amongst the tribes, wizards and sorcerers. There is more than a few auguries cast to see if they can divine his location, and through rumors and scuttlebutt you pick up, that they can determine that Baba is not dead. He's not passed on. His spirit has not passed through the cave of ancestors, but he's not on this world. And those are two statements that nobody can really reconcile. And for the first time in tribal history, they're not sure what to do. Because if the pilgrim had died, if they'd failed to return and they'd cast their auguries and they'd learned that they had gone astray and decided to stay in a far-off land and not return, or fallen prey to some foreign beast or brigand, then the decision would be made and the tournament would be held and the oboe would be selected. But Baba's gone. He's not on this world and there are no other worlds. So where, where is he? And there is much deliberation and argument back and forth and no, no real decision can be made. And time passes and there begins to be a discussion of what could happen if, if Baba never comes back, they surely there has to be an Oba. We're now a year and a half gone by. So six months beyond an Oba should have been selected. And 
there's a little bit of a bureaucratic paralysis. Zuide has worked his way into a position of importance within his clan, but doesn't really hold any authority, but he's definitely earned a seat at the table for some of the, the tribal conversations. What does Zuide suggest as a resolution while there's much hubbub and ado? I want to tell all of the clans. It has been rumored that Baba has abandoned us. Yes. Now you see, I see you shake your head, but I have had it. I have had the doubt. I have had the uncertainty and the fear. But I ask you, those of you who know Baba like I do, I am one of his closest friends. The elders, the seers, they say he is not dead but that he is not of this world any longer. It tells you something. Baba has gone on a journey greater than anyone before him. I will not tolerate anyone else saying that Baba has abandoned us. And as his friend, I am willing to wait. I am willing to give him a chance to come. After a reasonable time, of which there has not been, then we can talk about perhaps choosing a new over or another direction for the tribes. But do not speak of abandonment, or you will answer to me. Give me a persuasion check at advantage. 13 out of 10. 13. Yeah, 13 is the higher of the two. So your words land with everyone on the council, except except one elder. And it is the elder of the clan that hosted the pilgrim ceremony. The elder of the clan that is responsible for the burden of the cave of ancestors. While everyone else cheers and thumps their weapons in appreciation of your inspiring words, he meets your eye and he knows your motive. And his eyes tighten a little bit, but he doesn't speak at this time. We spend forward a few more months, and things have been bad for Zuide's tribe. A, recently, a, a strange creature of some kind has been devouring the, the clan's herds. These shaggy, long-horned, long-thick-horned, water-buffalo-esque ox that your clan uses as their primary food source and beast of burden in addition to being uh, some of the premier hunters on the western edge of the tribal lands is where your clan has their holding and uh, you have several grazing fields. And then uh, since you guys are up against the edge of the verdant, originally you guys became hunters as a byproduct of martial prowess that you had to pick up to defend your, your herds. And it's like, okay, well, if we're going to get really good at fending off the stuff that wanders out of the jungle, why don't we wander into the jungle and find it? before it becomes a problem. And that's how you guys kind of became the hunter herdsmen of the Western Reaches. But something new has been mysteriously devouring these herds out in the grazing fields. It's really strange because they just almost seem to disappear. You know, at first people suspected a rock might be flying by, but too large a group of animals disappear at one time for it to be something that is swooping down and picking it up. There are some bloody remains. And I think Zuide's really the only one who's been able to figure out that the threat is coming from underground, from something moving through 
the ground and devouring your clan's lifeblood. You know, this would normally be the situation where an oba would come in, gather a group of hunters together or a group from the different clans together to take on a greater threat. And while Zuide, I think you tr probably tried to do that, you don't, still really don't have any authority. So it might have been seen as you really kind of taking on air. So you're, you're on your own. And this is a problem that, man, if you solve it, will really make a name for yourself. Zuide wants to have a word with the elder. You approach him in his uh, in his hut. Uh, he is sitting out front, whittling away a block of wood. Ah, Zwide, what causes you to lighten my porch with your with your presence? Elder, I have come to talk to you about the threat to the herd. Mm. The threat to our livelihood is part herders. I intend to find it and kill it. I understand. That no one else here is taking this as seriously as it should be taken. That is a mistake. We will lose our head. I understand that our existence only half depends upon the livestock. But if we lose half of what we are, then we are only half of what we were. But if I find it, no, 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 no. When I find it. And when I kill it, I expect to be acknowledged for such a deed. And I want to know that you support me in that. Suide, do you think the tribe does not care about your clan? Sometimes I have to ask myself twice, Elder. Suide, do you understand that it's not that we will not send help to your clan. It's that we will not send troops for you to lead. You are not an Oba. But you are not the leader. But you are not in charge. But if I can effectively lead my brothers and my sisters to destroy this threat, then why would you not let me do it? Why would you allow this threat to continue? Out of what? Out of some disappointment? Some Lowered expectation of what I am? Zwide. Come now, Elder. Zwide, you make this about you again, and that is why it's I do this, I achieve this, I deserve recognition. These are your words. But is it not true? Well. Forgive me, Elder. I do not mean to raise my voice. Zwide, what happens when one of your, your tribesmen dies at your command for your pride? It is not pride, Elder. This is something that must be dealt with. It must be eradicated before we lose our head. If someone happens to benefit politically from destroying the creature, then what harm is there? So, Zwide, you say this. If I were to send someone from the Apaya tribe with a group of their warriors, would you follow and eliminate this threat? Will you acknowledge and serve your clan and your tribe? Or must you be at the lead? The Apaya, Elder, the Apaya, they do not know the difference between a water trough and a little box. You want to send them to take on this deadly adversary and you want me to follow? Yes, of course. I will follow them and I will watch them all die in front of me before I 
am the one to take down this threat. You understand that doing so, that is what would put lives in danger, not me. As a matter of fact, you know what's elder? Fuck Jobu. I can do it myself. I understand many things. Uh, 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 I get the reference and I appreciate it. But you are not ready. You said this to me a year ago. I am not ready. Then when, Elder, when in your eyes will I be ready? Or maybe, maybe it is you who do not want me to be ready. I hear much noise, Zoide, and very little wisdom. And when I hear much wisdom and very little noise, then perhaps we should speak. Bah. Remember your friend Baba. Remember how he waited before he spoke, how he listened and thought before he acted. Baba, Baba, Baba. You say I want to make it about myself? How can I not when Baba has constantly lifted up in front of my face? Every time, every opportunity you get, some other member of the tribe gets. Hey, where is Baba? They come to me and ask. As we there, when Baba returns, are you going to be his past? They ask all about Baba, but never about me. Never about Zwide. I am the only one who advocates for myself. That is why I make it about me. I will show you, Elder. I will show you who is the wiser. We cut to a field at sunset. A lone woolly oxen stands tied to a stake in the field. What is Zwide's preparations for the ambush? He knows it's coming from underground. And so Zwide has his feet on the flattest surface that he can find so that he can detect any vibrations. Once he senses those vibrations, he'll ready a ranged attack initially and try to take it from distance. Okay. If he can't or if he wounds it, he'll close for the kill, a melee. Okay. Give me a perception check at disadvantage. Even with your knowledge of the surroundings, you are trying to sense movement through the ground, and it is um, it is not something that you have been particularly trained to do or have a ton of experience with or have any kind of magical assistance or technological assistance with. You mean that, that, that book on Tremor Sense that I checked out of the library did help me? <laughs> Unfortunately... It was the Time Life abridged version. Mm, mm. And uh, it basically spent a lot more time talking about the famous Tabashi bard, Kevin Bacon. It mostly is was about his stage plays. That's yes, uh, uh, Zwide was too busy looking at some of the uh, Tabashi actresses anyway. <laughs> there you go. I guess I'll take the five and not the 18. Yeah, unfortunately you will. So Zwide is, is crouched doing that thing where he has got his eyes shut and really trying to push his senses outward. And perhaps if the creature had come at the muskox first, perhaps if the creature had even come up directly underneath Zwide, he would have been alerted. Perhaps if this creature tunneled or dug, but it is swimming through 
the Earth at a depth. It moves through the ground as if it were as liquid as a deep sea. It can sense you. It can sense your movement. It can sense your heartbeat. A measured pulse pushing the blood down through your extremities, into your fingers, into the ground. Even that slight vibration triggers it, and it begins to surface. Mm -hmm. Faster and faster and faster and faster. Unfortunately, not directly underneath you, because again, that might have hinted at the threat that was coming your way. But as this massive land shark, a boule, bursts from the ground behind you, Zuide has just enough time to spin around and see its form come arcing out of the ground, up into the air, 15 feet straight up, arcing downwards and barreling down towards him like this fleshy, jawed, meteorite, maw just gaping open. By the ancestors. Give me a dexterity saving throw. Two. Two. All right, you're going to take... 27 points of damage, 14 of it bludgeoning, 13 of it slashing. As this massive form barrels into you, the impact of its beak crushing you down at the ground, this magical force liquefying the earth beneath you, and Zuide, while he wasn't able to get out of the way, he is, he is very clever. And he is able to, in that moment, pull a keepsake from the bandolier that he used to keep the bolts for his hunting crossbow. And he pulls this keepsake out and stabs it into the ground. And while the, the boule's jaws and claws tear at his flesh with a massive Herculean effort, <laughs> you are able to maintain that grip and keep yourself from being pulled under and gasping and bleeding and broken and crushed, your consciousness fades into darkness and you can see two things. A group of Apaye tribesmen running towards you and the keepsake that you pulled from your bandolier, which saved your life. What What is that item? It is a version of an immovable rod. It's actually in the shape of a crossbow bolt, but it cannot hold as much weight and it can only be used three times before it becomes useless. And this is the second use. You slip into darkness and it, you know, very similar to this beast that swims to the earth, Zoide now swims through the border between life and death, bouncing between agony and oblivion. The Tides of consciousness constantly drawing further and further away. Snippets of conversation, shouts and yells as the Apaye bundle him up and carry him. Who knows how long? Maybe it's the same night. Maybe it's days later. Maybe it's weeks later. You hear the elder in an animated discussion with members of your clan about what can be done to save you. Your injuries being far beyond anything that even the advanced magics of the clan and the clan's healers are able to heal. There are portions of you that are gone. And while the healing spells of the Tabashi mystics and the alchemy of their science can heal nearly any wound and cure nearly any disease, they cannot regenerate lost flesh. They cannot bring back what is gone. And there is a gap, just a time that is gone. And then Zuide wakes up. 
in a room far different than anything that you've been in. The bewilderment is met with the pain as the world rushes in and the crushing and tearing and biting is just as fresh as it was when it happened. You, the, the bandages which hold your body together grate against the portions of your skin that are missing. You struggle to breathe through what your one remaining lung, ribs crushed, powdered on one side, pressing inward on you. You, your very existence is an act of will. And flipping through a magazine next to the strange bed that you're in is a well-dressed gnome. And he looks up. Oh, hey, um, look at that. Son of a bitch. You know, I had 30 duckies ducats in the death pool that you aren't making it past 10 o'clock. And here we are, 9.43. You just cost me some money, kid. <laughs> oh, kiddo. You give it a second. Your jaw is not working yet. But uh, hear me out for a moment. And um, I'm going to say a little something. And when we're done, you just give me a little nod. Yes or no. All right? My name's Jess. I am uh, the high priest of the Church of Sozab. Praise be his name. First among equals. CEO of Duckies and the Mercantile Guild. You know, kid, you have caught my eye. Which is not something a lot of people can do. And it's not because you got chewed up into this wad of tabaxi that you appear to remain. That, oof. But, um, that crossbow bolt you made, that's pretty fucking clever. And if there's anything Sozeb loves, it's clever. So, um, you know, I think we can find ourselves in a little bit of a mutually beneficial experience here. Because, you know, we can rebuild you. We can make you stronger. But if we're going to expend those resources, I gotta know that my investment's worth my time. I gotta know that I'm putting my money in to the kitty. Huh? See what I did there? It's clever. For a good purpose, so to speak. So, um, here's what I'm offering, kid. I'll rebuild you. Make you a, a new Tabashi. But not just make you a new you. I'll give you a new life. You come and you work for me for a little bit. You come and work in our science division. You show us some of that clever that made that bolt. Show us some of the other interesting tricks that have made you such a good hunter. And, you know, we'll get you fixed up. We'll send you back over to your clans there with a new purpose, with a new job, with new resources. You can show those guys what they've been missing because um, I don't think they appreciate you as much as, as much as I do. And all you got to do, man, is, uh, is come up with new stuff. And, and, you know, look, there are some things in uh, the tabaxi lands that we would like to have access to. Um, that there's been some resistance to. And, you know, we think that if there was somebody in, you know, in, in a place of influence amongst the Tabashi that was willing to at least listen to what we had to offer, then, um, you know, we could enter in more reasonable negotiations and uh, come up with a mutually beneficial situation. Or I can leave you this broken hunk of a mess of cat person and you can, you know live the next however many minutes of your life in unending agony and shame for a life unfulfilled and unrecognized. So you tell me, kid. You, uh, you want to show them what you got? Tweeting nods. Stuttering. Strain. Nod. (sighs) 
cloud kid, wait till they get a load of you. And the doors to the medical wing swing shut. We skip forward again. Hard to tell how long at this point. Um, we seem to have circled back around to another fall. And the tone is different now in the tabaxi lands, where there was a little bit of trepidation before. There's a little bit more confidence. And as you scan across the tribes, there's it's hard to pick up what's different at first. But then you notice, wait a minute, that guy is got the newfangled mercantile duckies headset on. Oh, look, that guy's got a, a, a meal phone. Some of the farmers now appear to be plowing the fields with ducky brand plow forged, which are a not quite sentient war forged. <laughs> the overall tech level at the clan seem, seems to have been elevated a little bit. I, I mean, look, the, the Tabashi aren't technologically backwards at all, right? They're alchemists and their metal workers and their their arcanists are just as advanced as any other of the societies in Normir or Sama. The difference is they are bigger believers in utility. If one listens to music, one makes music. One doesn't strap on ear goggles and listen to someone else's music. If, if someone else's music is to be shared, it should be amongst a group of friends and performed and enjoyed, not licensed and sold. Art is for the family and friend and clan and to tell story and to celebrate uh, to everyone. Alchemy is to improve the lifespan of the tribes and, and to strengthen the weapons that they use to defend the clans and to build better building materials to improve the housing against the foothills of the mountains. So while there are certainly extremely advanced magical and technological aspects that they have, they don't have anything that really is kind of that pop tech. You start to spot items of not just convenience, but almost luxury have seemed to start to pepper in. And the other thing that is noticeably different at the gathering that we now join in is there aren't any representatives of the Agu clan there. Zuide now stands at the head of the room, clearly in a position of authority. The elder now stands at the back of the room by the door, silent, looking a little bit older, a little bit more stooped over. My fellow tribes people, I know that there is grave concern over what has happened to the Agu. Many have asked, but no one can say for sure. But let this be known, as I am who I am, Zwilengune Amubuto, I assure you that no one else is in danger, that no other clans will disappear. You have my word. Have we not been prosperous oh, yes. over the last while? Our clans, our tribe has become stronger. We have become what we have always sought to be. And there is more. We can rise even higher than we are now. There is no limit to where the Tabashi can go. So, heed my words, while our brothers and sisters will be missed. That will not take away from those who are still with us, those of us 
who have an opportunity to go beyond. Zwide, can we ask, will you not accept the position of Oba? We know it is not traditional anymore, but you have earned it. Will you not finally take the title of, of actual Oba? I know we've been calling you acting Oba, but will, will you not finally agree to take the official title? You have been so respectful of tradition, and we appreciate it. We appreciate the effort you have made to bridge the gap between us and the mercantile guild. We have always been very wary of our dealings with them, but you have been such a stout representative for us, gotten us so many fair deals. Deals that previously we would have been so hesitant to engage in for fear that there was some hidden cause, some trick of duckies that we would never see, but you, ha <laughs> clever, clever Zwide, so uh, sharp at rooting out their tricks and their lies. You've made life so different from all of us. We, you finally accept the title. While I am honored by your request and your adoration for the job I have done, understand that my people's interest, your interest, has always been at the front of my heart. It is you, the people, who come first. I am hesitant to go against centuries of tradition and become the Oba. If it makes you happy, I will take it under consideration. Will that satisfy you? There is uh, murmurs and uh, rolling chatter of acquiescence and appreciation for your honor and for your integrity and for your appreciation of tradition. And all of that washes over you like the mist that rolls off the mountain, because all that you can focus on in that moment is the unblinking stare of the elder, that you are more than clever enough to see, sees the truth in you as he turns and walks out the door. <laughs> we cut to one final scene. Zwede is now in his digs, in his rather well-appointed home, at the center of his, uh, his tribe's lands, probably on a, a bit of a raised hill so that he has a view of all of the grazing fields and the herders and the hunters as they return from the, the forest. And I think Zuide may have made a little bit of a ceremony, a little bit of a show of sitting on his porch on evenings when he's not out on the hunt and not going in until all the hunters have returned from the jungle. You know, there's much spoken about how Zuide cares for, cares for us all. And I think it's at that edge of the evening as you watch that last tribe of of hunters come triumphantly from the jungle wielding firearms that previously had been solely the tools used by the mercantile guild shoulders burdened by the beast they have carried between them strung up on two poles you hear a shuffling from inside your house there's there's somebody inside your house but he stands readies himself pushes door open and scans the interior from behind you see this is my thing right i can make you think that i'm someplace and then i'm immediately someplace else it's it's really it's like the anti-dramatic entrance how you doing kid do not do that <laughs> uh you're not my fucking boss son listen i warned you that this grandstanding bullshit about you not taking the oba title would come back to bite you in the ass what do you mean 
You wanted to be everybody's beloved hero instead of in charge. We could have closed this deal and signed the contracts by now. I'm working the people up. I'm making them want it. I'm making them salivate for my leadership. Yet, here's the problem, kid. The Church of Sozeb honors a contract. We honor a deal. We're not capable of doing otherwise. It's why we've gotten so good at writing contracts that only ever benefit us. The problem is, we didn't write the contract about this whole Oba clan thing. You guys did. It's your deal. But we still have to honor it because of the tenets of our faith that's enforced by the Godspire. Which, you know what? This could have gone on forever. But the prodigal son returns home, sweet eh? What is that nonsense? Baba just landed on our shores. <laughs> is this another one of your jokes? Sweetie, I know I do a pretty good tight five, and your uh, appreciation at the company open mic nights isn't been missed. But this is not a fucking joke, kid. You are telling me that Baba has returned to here. He's headed your way. I have ensured that he has a number of motivations to come back at a pace that will leave him somewhat worn and somewhat disadvantaged for what may come for the ceremony that in the coming days. I mean, the last thing we would want is for him to come and remind everybody why you weren't picked. I deserve what I have. Whether you had a hand in it or not, this was my destiny. And neither you, your contracts, nor Baba will change that. In that moment, you hear something pop and you crumple. <clears throat> the components of your body, the, the synthesis of <clears throat> artifice and warforged technology, which was used to rebuild you, goes inert. Oh! <clears throat> What have you done to me? I reminded you that you are not in charge of anything. All right. I yield. I yield. Oh, I know that. I, I mean, that was never in question. Your destiny is what I say it is. And right now, your destiny, and he flips a little tracker down next to you, is to follow that and either escort your boy home and kick his ass or escort your boy off the side of a cliff before anybody knows he's here. I don't care which happens. I just better never see him again or I better never see you again. And he clicks the button back on. <laughs> I will see you to it. And that's where we'll end this interlude.